You're listening to The Shelter, Stories of Redemption. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please visit ProvidenceRescueMission.org. Now, here's your host, Michael David. Hey guys, Michael David here with The Shelter Podcast. We have a new guest today, Brian. Brian, how's it going today? Good morning, how you doing? Doing fantastic. Brian, tell me a little about who you are. Well, my name is Brian. I'm 38 years old. I'm from Brooklyn, New York, Williamsburg, originally. Um, I moved out here about five years ago. Nice. So you were from Brooklyn, New York. Yes. How was your family life back then? My family life? Yeah. Well, I have four kids. My you, have, you have four kids? Four kids. How old are you? I'm 38. 39. 39, 39. this year. Are you, are you close to your four kids? Yeah, I talk to them. Yeah. I have two grandchildren. At 38? At 38. My oldest is uh, 21. Wow. Yeah. I that had is shocking. She was 19. Wow. Um, so bring me back a little bit more. So you were born in Brooklyn, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, how was your relationship with your mom and dad? Well, my relationship with my mother and father wasn't so good because my mother died when I was 11. My father died when I was 10. So they died a year apart. They was not together, was not married, you know. They both died when you were 11 years old. Mm-hmm. Very Holy young cow. age. So your teen years, you had no parents. Nope. I was running the streets, Coney Island, working, making money, trying to survive. Now, when you say running the streets, what does that mean? Was, was there um, any, did you learn, did the streets kind of bring you up? Yeah, pretty much. I learned more street part. I learned more street smarts than I learned school smart. Okay. Now during that during that street smarts, um, did you did was your life led astray in that part? Oh uh, yeah, definitely left to drugs, alcohol, heroin, crack. I mean, pretty much anything. How old were you when you started getting into the drugs and alcohol? Uh, well, I used to sneak drinks from my mom's when I was like nine. Really? Yeah. Wow. She used to leave a little cup on her nightstand at night, so I used to drink off of those. And then from then, when she passed away, just started getting into it. A lot of people started introducing me to new things. I hung out with the wrong crowd. You know, I couldn't really... I didn't wasn't raised to a point where somebody taught me how to be raised as a man. They taught me how to be raised as a drug addict. Really? Yeah. So it's funny because I was talking to Ron at one time. I'm, I'm like from like the whitest neighborhood in the world, mm-hmm. the white picket fence. You know, we didn't really have any issues. So I find it so fascinating when I come to the rescue mission. I hear these stories. Like nine years old, you had your first drink. You know, by eleven, your parents passed away. Then when you get into um, the, then the streets raised you. Yeah, pretty much. I find that I find it fascinating, but also shocking. So, both your parents passed, but did they? Did you have aunts and uncles who? I had aunts and uncles, pretty much, and I had a grandmother, but they wasn't there. No, they didn't want to take on the responsibility of raising their daughter's child, especially my grandmother, when she had her own kids with habits and things like that that she was supporting. So she didn't feel that she should raise her daughter's son. Did that make you angry? Did it? It made me to a point that felt I wasn't wanted by nobody. And did that make you find, did that kind of force you into uh, a 
a way of looking for people to accept you. Of course, man. Yep. And that's kind of a. And I gotta say, I can understand that because I think that the natural human instinct is we want to be accepted by somebody, and then if we're being rejected by people, um, we almost don't care who accept us as long as we're accepted. Yeah, I mean, that's how I look at it. I hung out with the wrong crowd for acceptance. I didn't look to people who were smart, intellectual, things like that. I just wanted to be in the now, be yeah. around them and see how they are, yeah, 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 how yeah. they treat me. And in another perspective, I looked at it like, well, this is the only love I'm going to get because these are the only people that care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then from there on, I just had to fall in. Now, were you... When you were, you know, learning from the streets, you were 11, 12, 13, 14. Were you actively in school? I was still in school, but my clothes wasn't washed, and I felt I felt ignored. People didn't want to hang out with me. Other kids that was like, eh, I don't want to be around him. He stinks. Da, yeah. Da, 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 da. So I dropped out at 11th grade. Okay. So you didn't feel accepted by even your own peers in school? No. Never felt it. Now... Describe the school that you went to. Was it more? Was it an upscale school? Was it a middle school? Was it a kind of low end school? What was it? Well, the school that I went to was called um, Eastern District. Sure. Business and Technology. Yeah, yeah. So they just had four campuses on one. I was going. I started learning business and technology, yeah, which yeah. my main focus was pretty much computers. Sure. After that, I just just kept going, and I said, you know what? I, I had to drop out because I had my first child. How, and how old were you when you had your first child? I was 19. 19, first child. Now he's 21. Yeah, now she's 21. 21. All right. So describe it to me. So kind of bring it back here. So your mom and dad both died when you were 11. Your aunts, uncles, grandparents, they didn't really want to raise your daughter, your, their sister, daughter's child, which was yourself. Did you have other any other brothers or sisters? Well, I had other brothers and sisters. I had three sisters, two other brothers, one from my father's side, and he didn't want nothing to do with me because he felt like I was the bastard child. Cause really? His, mother cheat, his father cheated on his mother yeah. with my mother. Sure. So he looked at me like, ah, well, you know what? You're just a nobody to me. So what happened with the, the sisters? Sisters, they came around for a little while and then they disappeared. I haven't had no contact since I was 16 years old. So essentially, and I'm not trying to put this into a negative con contents, but just to perspective, your family almost abandoned you. I would say that, yeah, pretty much. I, can't, I just got chills up my spine because I can't imagine being abandoned by my family like that. Well, when things happen, when you're raised in a certain environment, it does happen. Yeah. You know, and it's it's hard to get out unless you take yourself out of the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 11th grade, um, you drop out. Yep. What, what, what's your game plan? Well, my game plan was always working. I did security for a while. I did construction, yep. maintained. After a while, I had my own apartment. Nice. I was doing my own thing, but I still was on drugs. Yeah, like what drugs you on? I was on heroin and crack cocaine at the time. Now, would you consider yourself addicted to it, or was it more of a social drug? No, at that time, I was definitely addicted. Oof. I had to wake up every morning. I had to run the streets. I had to go get a fix. 
Um, now this is like I said, this is coming from a guy who, like as in me, I'm like I said, I'm a very white neighborhood. What should I say? White picket fence, no issues. Is heroin expensive? Was it was it an expensive habit? Well, it was in a ten dollars, same thing probably as now, yeah. but at that time it wasn't cut. Okay, it didn't have fentanyl where it could kill you. It was straight from man made and. It, everything now, all the drugs out here is synthetic. It's man-made. It's it's garbage now. Yeah. Right now, you go in the street, you take it, uh, you do some kind of drug, you're passing out on the street. Yeah. That it wasn't like that back in the day. You got sick because it was a drug that made you sick. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that was man-made, and you know, you you either could die from it just by trying it for the first time. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's crazy. So, you so you had your own apartment. You were doing you said, uh, heroin and cocaine? Uh, yeah, crack cocaine. cocaine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how is your life at this time? Do you feel like you have it together? Do you see a future? Or do you, are you saying to myself, yourself, should I say, what is going on? What, 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 what is my life actually becoming? Well, my life at that time was, was going nowhere. Yeah. But I wanted to make something of myself. So that's when I started trying to get my act clean, and I started going places and finding help. Yep. But before that tried to happen, I got locked up. Really? Yeah. For what? I got locked up for a felony burglary. So what? What is? What did? Um. What did? When you say felony burglary, what is that? So the felony, what is actually? What What was the? What did you do? Well, I broke into a house. They caught me trespassing in the house. I got charged with uh, misdemeanor. Uh, I mean, not misdemeanor, felony, petty larceny, which is a big offense in New mm. York. So I had under $1,000, but it still was, you know. Now, what was your reason for breaking it? Was it for to it, support your habit of yeah, drugs? pretty much it was support my habit. The more and more I hear about drugs and stuff like that, the more and more I hear the, how people can get desperate when they need that fix. Yep, that's how it is. What do you, why do you think... This might be a dumb question, but I'm just going to ask this question. Go ahead. Why do you think people get to that point? How do, why do you think people get to the point of relying on drugs? Because no one wakes up and says, I want to be a drug addict. No, definitely not. It comes down to a point of how your life turns out. Yeah. You know, if you're raised in a good environment and, you know, you got support and things like that, it happens to people. Yeah, yeah. Other people, it, it's on your situation because you have to look at it like, let me see. You have to look at it like if somebody's rich, they'll do it for recreational fun, and then they become dependent on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So for me, it was emotional, you know, not feeling loved and things like that, that I fell into those drugs. Do you think that if you had your mom and dad around? And yeah. Ian, not just around, but they were more responsible in the way they maybe treated you? Do you think your life would have been different? Yeah, pretty much. I was always a mama's boy at the time. Yeah. So I I believe it, it would have definitely made a big change. Yeah. All right. So we were, we're at the point now that you were arrested. How old were you when you were first arrested for that? 24 years old. 24. So that was about four or five years after, um, four or five years after um, you, graduated, you dropped out of school. Yep. And you had your first kid at? 19. 19. When you when you went to did you go to prison? No, I went to regular city jail. City jail. How long were you there for? Um, eight eight and a half months. 
Did that affect did that affect your visitation with your daughter? Um well, we never had a good visitation for okay. ever since she was born because my I was more into my drugs than Ooh. I was more into taking care of my kid. Wow. How does that make you feel now? Well, it it's an empty space in my heart because I don't know her. You know, she's 21 years old. I try I talked to her throughout her life, but it wasn't going nowhere. Cause she's, I know she's telling herself like, ah, well, you know, he wasn't there. Why should he care? Yeah, that's that's. So I'm a father. I have a five and a seven year old, and less time. So. Yeah, and I'll tell you right now, um, it makes me think like if my daughter ever was felt that way, it'd be it would be a challenge. It'd be tough because I. My daughter is different than me. She's more like my wife, quiet, reserved, and I'm more very outgoing and stuff. And I really yearn for when my daughter like gives me a hug or says, I love you, Daddy, or Daddy, check this out. Like yesterday, we went to Foxborough Stadium, and they had all the Christmas lights all over the place. And she was like, Daddy, look at this. Auntie, well, my aunt and my, 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 aunt and my wife, and we're like, she's like, Daddy, Mommy, look at this. Da, da, da. And like the excitement. And if I ever had to have that moment where my daughter just wasn't there, I would, it would be very tough. So I can, I can imagine now as you look back and you, you may be thinking like, I wish it was different. Yeah, definitely. I wish it was different because I wanted to show my kid, you know, the same thing that my parents didn't show me. Yeah. So I'm like, well, maybe if I was raised a little different, I probably would have, you know, been there. Do you think, and this is, I, I'm just thinking about this right now, and I'm just talking out of my butt here, but there are times that people say when people grow up in a poorer neighborhoods or they grow up in more challenging environments like Cranston Street right here. Yep. Me growing up in a white picket fence neighborhood would say everyone has the same opportunity. They just have to apply themselves but then you would but then i would also say if mothers and fathers were more active and more involved they would give their kids better opportunities what do you think about that i mean mothers and fathers could give their kids better opportunities but a drug do not discriminate once is once a kid is promiscuous or looking to have fun there's going to be other places and other environments where that kid is going to get that drug. Yeah. So a drug do not discriminate. Mm -hmm. You know, once they get hooked, that's it. So a white, if you, like you, raised in a white picket fence area, I'm raised in the ghetto, it really, it's not going to matter. Do you think that everyone has the same opportunity to succeed? Or is it really more dependent on, what is, I, I don't know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand, like, as I'm at the mission, the one thing I'm trying to understand is I want to get out of myself, get out of my mindset because I could be totally wrong. And I think that's one thing that um, as a Christian, you don't always want to be right. You want to be open to being wrong because there are a lot of times God can change your life with your and change your perspective. And you want that. You don't always want to be closed-minded. But I also think that you know we we should really understand people and where they're coming from because... Some people are privileged enough to do things, and some people aren't. But that that divide of differences should not keep people apart at all. We should really try to understand each other. 
like Christ understands us. Like the perfect example. When you look at Christ, we were very different than Christ. He was perfect. We were sinners. Mm. That divide, like you had, you had a mountain over here and a mountain over here, and there was a gap. He put the cross over that gap to, to connect to us. To bring us together. So I think the same way, you know, when people who are come from a more privileged background, and when I say, when I say privileged, I'm, I'm saying where they grew up where there was no crime, there, was, there wasn't really the ghetto aspect of it, there was no drug dealing on the side of the streets. They need to understand and not be like, oh, look at those people, but they need to say, I want to understand those people. So I put my, because what I'm trying to understand is, can someone from Cranston Street, do they have the same privilege to get out of their situation, or is it more difficult? They, they have the same, the same advantage. It's just that they have to apply Work and believe harder. in God that they could do it. Yeah. Because, you know, everything comes through him. Mm-hmm. And I look at it like I tried everything. I try to get off every kind of drug, little by little, and I'm and I'm managing very well through Christ. Yeah, and I look at it like, oh man, thank you. You know, I could keep going with him. I could keep moving with him. I could keep moving with him. But the only thing I got to do is keep him in my heart. Yeah. If I don't, I will fail. That's and that's something. That's something I think that well, we're going to get into more. But I think that I understand that and I like that because. The way I view my Christian life is I, I can't do it without God. I can try, but I'm only going to get so far. And I think without Christ, we can never cross that finish line. No, we won't be able to. So let's bring it back a little bit more here. So you had your first felony. You were 24. And I remember saying that you got married. I got married um, probably like two years ago. I got married. So you got married two years ago. So let's step a little bit back before that because you do have four, four children. I have four children. Are they all from the same? No. One's from one mother and three is from another. Okay. So you were in Brooklyn, New York. Now, how did you get to Providence, Rhode Island? Well, when I was in Brooklyn, New York, I was by myself. Yep. I was doing a drug program. Sure. And I had met a female. On the internet, like yep. everybody else. Me does too. I met, my, I met my wife online. It was yeah. uh, eHarmony. I would say it's love at first click, but that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. Pretty much. And um, I met her. We was talking, and things didn't work out. So yeah, yeah. I left her, and um, I started getting my own things together. Next thing you know, um, I got homeless. Everything burnt down over here. I lost everything. I started drinking and drugging, doing everything again. In Providence. In Providence, okay. yes. And um, next thing you know, I came to the Providence Rescue Mission. I still had my phone. I still was working all right. So um, I met another female on another dating app. Yep. <laughs> and what happened was me and her got together. Sure. We started doing good. I mean, I was clean for a while. I've been clean off of crack cocaine and heroin for almost 18 years. Really? Yeah. Praise God for that. Yeah, thank God. And the only thing I had to suffer with was with drinking because that's what I had my habit for. So we met. 
And we got together. We stood together for a while, and we decided to get married because you know we're both get, was getting older. We we're going on our forties, and sure. we didn't want to be alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, me, I started working. I started getting dre- um, stressed out mm-hmm. with the COVID and things like that. Next, so thing this is know, recently. Yeah, this is recently. So next thing you know, I started drinking again, and we got into an argument. And after that argument. Things happen. Things happen. I got arrested yep. and, you know, I don't have nowhere to go. So I came back to Providence Rescue Mission to see if they could, see if I could get my life together again. Describe your life right now. Well, my life right now was great. You know, yeah. I, I met people who's in the same predicament I am. At I, the mission. At the mission, yep. yes. And um, I'm happy because I'm with people that we could relate. They understand, they understand you. Of course, because, you know, we all come from the same backgrounds. And this is what I'm saying before, because, like, the, the one thing I love about the mission is this. People serve each other. They help each other. And they want, for the, from what I see, and I could be wrong, but at least, at least from the leadership standpoint, they want to see you succeed. They want to see you grow. They want to see you get off the drugs, the alcohol, and things of that nature. I, I love that. You know, so you're so you get here, and you're saying people here understand you. They, they believe in you. Like, how how has the mission helped you? Well, the mission has helped me in a lot of ways. You know, they gave me some place to stay, rest my head. They provided for me shelter, food in my mouth. Now, are you in the program as well? I am in the discipleship. Program, Can you tell me about yes. that discipleship program? The discipleship program is 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 awesome. You know, yeah. we we sit down every morning. We go to classes. We have Bible studies. We learn about God. You know, it it's everything that you need that people didn't have. Like what? What? Can, Faith. What, yes. Understanding. Yes. Peace. Love. Yes. Joy. Amen. Amen. Love you know, it. and that's what I look forward to, and I like that because it it's given me more of hope. Mm-hmm. And that's what I need because I I felt alone. Yeah, and I needed that. And this is something that's showing me much more of a better environment than what's out there with drinking, drugging, and things like that. So, how long have you been here? I've been here for five months now. Do you think you're would be comfortable to leave, or do you want to stay longer? No, I'm gonna. I'm pursuing a lot of things. I'm going for my culinary, and I want to start cooking. I want to get nice. out. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. why I was in the kitchen for Thanksgiving and things like that, helping out. So it's funny. So um, I did. I have another podcast. It's called the Four Seven Podcast, and um, we basically. I I love Christian music. Yes, and. Um, a lot of the Christian bands I grew up in the '90s, I interview them. I contact oh, the lead singer. Awesome. Yeah, it's great. So I was talking to a lead singer. He's out in San Diego, California, and um, him, his wife, and his wife's college roommates started a culinary institute, kind of a thing where they have people on the streets. And the problem was people wouldn't take them seriously to get jobs because of their history and their past. The backgrounds. Yep. yep. And unfortunately, people judge people by their background. That's and and, and it's it's a cruel environment. It's terrible. To, yeah, because you know the, we are good people. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of us that even though you was raised and went to school and have a degree and you went to college, but you still they don't look at they they look at it like well okay. 
you're too overqualified. You're too underqualified. Yeah. You know, and then oh well, you have a history in this, this, and that. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but we can't, we can't hold you at this job. And you know, something. And the funny thing is, before we get back to that topic, Christ never looked at our past. He died for our past, and he then he forgot about the past. That's right. He said, "Okay, your uh-huh. past is gone. I died on the cross. Your past is gone. Now I'm going to judge you on your future." That's that right. is what I love about Christ, and. You know, Christ calls us to be Christ-like, you know, Philippians 2, 1 through 5. But the thing we need to remember is, you know, we may never be able to achieve Christ-like status of perfection, but we are called to try every day. And we're supposed to view people not about their past, but we're supposed to view people for who they are and then love them. That's right. That's how it is. You're supposed to love love yourself and love everybody as the same. Correct. So... What they did was so they actually started um, teaching them everyday skills, whether it be um, to get them. So they would they would literally come and learn everyday skills, so they would be prepared to go out into the real world and do things. That'd be whether it be cooking and things of that nature. And um, sorry, but when you said the, the culinary, it, made, it totally made me think of anyway. But that's good. I'm excited for you. Thank you. Like I, I'm not even I'm not even just saying that. I like to root for people who went through things. Like you've been through a lot. Uh, I mean, my whole life. I mean, I don't regret nothing. And that's awesome. I don't think anybody should ever regret anything. And the reason being is, I really do think that God allows things in your life. Okay, so I'm not saying God told you to drink or this or that or that, but I do think that God allows trials in your life to test your faith. It's, it's right in the book of James. James chapter 2, um, James chapter 1, verse 2, trials are a testing of your faith. Like, But I do think those trials can really mold you who you are today, and the trials that you went through really can help other people learn. That's why, I mean, I'm happy for the things that I've been through in my life because I learned so much. Even though I dropped out of school, I still managed to pick myself up, get myself sober, and go back to school. I have respect for you, to be honest with you. I really do. Thank you. Because I know people who grew up in the white picket fence neighborhood, so everything together, but they don't do anything because they're lazy. And they have all the opportunity to do things. Like Everything's handed to them. That's right. I mean, that's how it is sometimes. When you don't have nothing... It motivates you to get what you want yes. in life. That, that, and that's awesome. So you're at the mission. Your life has changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. Uh, would, it, would it be fair to say that Sean and everybody else has really helped kind of gather you and really bring you to where you are? Yeah, I will say that's definitely because they're helping me now with classes that I'm taking. So, you know, they the mission's helping me support that and things like that. That is awesome. So before we wrap up here... Um, I want to say thank you. I think I think your, you. I think your story is pretty incredible because it, what what I like about it is this: there are so many people who do get down but never get back up. You kind of remind me of Rocky Balboa. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in the I'll Rocky take that. movies, <laughs> I'll take that as a good compliment. Yeah, you were knocked down a few times. I remember, like in the Russian, the Rocky Four, he's fighting the Russian, that big, gigantic guy. Yeah, but you see how he trained to fight that Russian. Yeah, he got out of his environment yes. to go to his. Yes, and that's what I'm saying about you. 
Like you trained, you you were knocked down, you got back up and fought again. Yeah, I will always fight for what I want, no matter how it is. I mean, that's how it is nowadays. You have to fight with for and I what think, you want. Yeah, and to be honest with you, I think that also goes along with the Christian life. Like when God calls you to do something, you know, it's not gonna be easy. You know, but he wants you to push forward. He wants you to keep going and finish that race. Because Paul said the Christian walk is not is not a sprint; it's a marathon. It's a marathon. That's right, and that's how that's your life journey. That's yeah. what you go through, no matter how long or how how tough it may be. You could climb mountains, you could fall, trip, you know, swim. That's that's your marathon. Absolutely, you got to keep it going, keep it going. It's a triathlon. Absolutely, you know, but. Well, Dave, I want to thank you so much for coming today. You were awesome. Thank you for having me. You know, um, I just love your story. I love the fact that you just didn't give up. I would never give up. Yeah. That's how I am. I mean, if I keep getting knocked down, I'm going to get back up and do it again. I mean, it's baby steps for me. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, this is the Shelter Podcast. We had Dave on today. You know, the one thing about the Shelter Podcast I love, we tell stories of redemption. We tell stories of people who didn't have the best upbringing, didn't have the best outlook on life. But all of a sudden, through the province rescue mission, their life has totally changed, just like Dave's and, and Brian's and Kevin's and Ronald's. But Brian specifically today, his life has totally, totally changed from the province rescue mission. And uh, for that, I'm thankful. All right, Brian. All right, thank you for having me. All right, guys, have a great day. Talk to you soon.